For all of you who listen to Submersion and own an Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I personally use the app and I love it. I can search for the podcast I want to listen to, select it as a favorite, and have it just a click away. Make sure to select Submersion as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 74. Woo! And I'm going to... I'm going to start off like right away and just say if this one's as long as last episode, we're just going to hang it up. Just quit. I, I think that's probably right. Yeah. I'm good with just that. Just be done. Yeah. Just be done. Okay. Don't hold us to it, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. It may actually end up being just long and we didn't don't realize it. No. Because we, do, we do have all five people again. Yes, we do. We sure so. do. Very exciting stuff. I'm excited. Anything new? With anyone? Oh boy, Zach's that's a moved. that's a loaded question, really. Zach moved. I, I moved. I'm now in big. Cleveland. For all of our listeners in Cleveland, we can get together and play some putt putt. Look at oh, that! There nice. we go. <laughs> we'll give that away as like a <laughs> like a benefit dinner and fundraiser. People are like you get to play putt putt <laughs> yeah. with yeah. the host of Submerge, and people are like what <laughs> what is that? And the next person who sends in a question. Gets to play putt putt with that. Yes. Or, or $5,000 on Patreon. <laughs> oh, gives us $5,000 on Patreon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 100%. That'd be good. Either of the two. 10000 10, and I'll go see Star Wars with them when it comes out. Nice. Oh. Begrudgingly. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll sit there and talk through the whole movie and just laugh out loud and shit. Mm-hmm. A real Zach good. experience. <laughs> Dude, every, every time. Every time, um, actually, I'll hold that for next week, actually. There's something like that that I live through with you in a movie theater, but that'll be on next week's episode. Oh, wow, you'll a remember teaser. What I'm talking about. It's a cliffhanger. But you'll yeah. remember what I'm talking about, man. Me and me? Kyle. Yeah, you. You oh. and I. Oh. You and I were at a movie together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a joke. Okay. <laughs> there was. You did tell a joke. It was pretty good. <laughs> can't wait uh but yeah me and kyle we we have something we it's kind of big news now around here i mean we're what are we three weeks out of bowling season at this point it's like a countdown we are going on i got i just got in the mail like our free bowling games we get from the bowling alley to get us back in shape and yeah, yeah man so Gotta get that conditioning going oh, get we're the gonna body be, of a bowler man so you're gonna be hearing a lot more about bowling when that starts back up everybody's missed it I can't wait knows it now, Zach, yes. you just moved, man. Yes. You've got to get in another league. I want to. Um, hopefully, Carly and I are going to try to get in a couples league or something of the um, of that nature. So, Oh. Got to get my- Is she my, decent at bowling? Um, yes. Yes, she is. I will leave it at that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want any bad juju, you know what I'm saying? Hey, watch that. Sorry. Dive, 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 dive! What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. 
Mac East Second Floor Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Brain, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. Oh, man, I don't know why. I just found myself fist bumping to that uh, intro song right there. We don't, be, uh... we don't refer to each other in our nicknames enough. That's true. It's because my, my nickname's all over the place at this point. No, it's not Brain. Oh, thanks. Good call, Backbone. Appreciate it. Ah. Jamie's back to being the Brain. See, that's what I'm saying. No one knows whether they call me the Ointment or the Brain or what was the other one? Oh, the, the Grease, right? The Grease. Probably yeah. the Grease. Switch you to Jamie the Grease. Uh, I don't know. I actually kind of am enjoying the Ointment. Are you? Yeah, because everything I say is pretty topical. Good Lord. Very good. Uh, all right, man. So we are now in our third week of Does This Really Need a Sub <laughs> movie month. It's the worst month. And, oh, come on. Do you think do you think this and, one needed a sub? We'll get to that in the ratings, mm-hmm. man. We will get to that in the ratings. But uh, let's see, Mustard Man, what did we get to watch this week? This week, we watched a 2006 comedy film by the Coen brothers called Hail Caesar. And if you don't know who the Coen brothers are, their names are Joel and Ethan. And they're very famous and very good. Okay, so this film has a super star-studded cast and nominated for an Academy Award for Best Achievement in Production Design, and as Alex mentioned, written and directed by the Coen brothers. So, yeah, yeah, you know. It has names like Josh Brolin, George Clooney, Alden Ehrenreich, Rafe Fiennes, Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton, Channing Tatum, Francis McDormand, and Jonah Hill. A lot of the a lot of the Cohen regulars in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know what? Actually, I was super psyched today. Normally, I don't ever click on clickbait or anything like that. But I knew I one hundred percent knew that this was going to be applicable to today's episode. There was some kind of article that was like thirty celebrities' names that you're pronouncing wrong, and I looked and I was like. Yeah, I know that Rafe Fiennes right. looks like Ralph Phineas. So I was like, <laughs> I know, I know that that name is going to be on there. And then sure enough, uh, Alden Ehrenreich was on there also. And I was like, hmm. score two for one. Alden Ehrenreich? That's kind of easy. I didn't know it, it, it. Ralph is pronounced Rafe. Rafe Fiennes. That's cool. Voldemort. Also narrated by Michael Gambon, who uh, played Dumbledore. That's right. Pretty cool. Yeah, man. Pretty cool Heck stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Harry Potter nerd, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, uh, I, I said that because uh, Rafe Fiennes, I guess uh, he was uh, Voldemort, and uh, you got you got the two like the two big dudes other than Harry Potter. All, all we needed in this was uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Who would he have played? Uh, probably Alden Ehrenreich's character, right? You think no, he could have done it? I don't think communist. he could have done it. It's actually kind of funny because I thought he was, he's pretty impressive given that he was then in Solo and everyone kind of made fun of him. Yeah, right? I liked it. Isn't that, I liked did I, did I, isn't that what happened? Like everyone kind of thought he was shit, right? 
in, in Solo? Solo? I mean, yeah. there was talk because they had to get a an acting coach on set for him. But I never saw it, so I don't know if he was good or not. But people they had to get an acting it. coach for Alden Ehrenreich in the Solo movie. Yeah, that's yeah, what wow. I heard. When, so I, yeah. when Ron Howard took over for it, he brought in a uh, acting coach for him. Wow, but I guess he's just. I mean, hard. I like the yeah. movie. That's kind of his character in this too, which is funny. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Well, dude, he's just walking the talk, man. I just thought he was really good in this. I was surprised because he's, you know, he pulls off exactly the character he needs to be in this one. Um, He's a character actor. He's a guy that can't act. Yeah, maybe. Like Brad Pitt. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, let's not beat up on Brad Pitt. He's probably still healing up from that uh, Achilles tendon. Oh, that's true. Dude, you know where you don't really need your Achilles? In sub movies, that's he true. Could be the, uh, <laughs> he could be the helmsman. He could go at it. Man, imagine if there was a a major actor who decided, you know what, I'm just gonna just do like a bunch of sub movies in a row and see if anyone notices. I guess that might be Gerard you, Butler. We don't know about Gerard Butler. You're describing my career more. when I retire from graphic yeah, design. That's true. All right, become we get, a major actor just to get, get into, into sub movies. <laughs> you literally yes. said we were yes, gonna we end should. this All right, podcast. Yeah, we All right. Well, we're in All good. Right, let's we're do in good hands here. We're going to start right now. Okay. So, Brom, were you going to help me with the recap today? Am I helping or am I, am I leading the charge you can, and you, you filling can, in some I, You know what? You can lead the charge. Kyle, you started the timer? Yeah, it's already going. All right. Let's, let's get <laughs> into it. I will also be there. I'll help Intro out. credits. Uh, yeah. What was... Uh, blah, blah, uh, we start in a... Uh, <laughs> in a church. <laughs> we start in a confessional with uh, our, oh boy, Jay, our boy, Josh Brolin. Oh, yeah. He's confessing to the pastor. Says, I've been... Uh, he's basically, I've been cheating uh, on smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And he's looking hot. He's looking ready to roll. He's Josh Brolin. Good, got that but, mustache. We find that we're this is a this is a period piece. We are back in old school Hollywood here. Yeah, we get a little voiceover to follow this up because he's he basically seems like even the even the priest is like Jesus Christ, get out of here! Like it's too early in the morning to do this. We find that that was basically four a.m. or something like that. He went to confessional because then he drives all, off all and he because he promised day. his wife he was going to quit smoking and he's been sneaking yeah. a few. Yeah, and then he, he starts, starts his day. He's, yeah, What's that? He, he doesn't start his day yet. He's he's driving uh, through the rain. We got Michael Gambon uh, narrating over some some bullshit here, right. and he arrives at a house where he finds one of his actresses is doing a raunchy photo shoot. Churning some butter. Yeah, she's churning some butter in a little flouncy skirt, and he's, she's getting photographed. One of his uh, key actresses, I guess, and he's trying to keep like a sterling reputation for her. Is that how I interpreted that? I think it's also they they own the rights to her image. So it's kind of not only oh, is she yes. doing this picture, but like she's not supposed to be. And so I think it's part of it's supposed to be that like not only keeping the copyright and, and their brand, but then making sure it doesn't get into the newspapers by having her pretend to be having gone to a uh, costume party and shit. Mm-hmm. And the cops right. arrive. JB pays off the cops. Says, look the other way, basically. This isn't a famous actress. She's just a nobody. He gives her a alternate ego. But it's funny because they're like, we got a call about like a Swedish photo shoot going down over here. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> you didn't see anything. Yeah, right. this is like the first of many times in this movie where you're seeing... Like they're Josh's entire character is just like... To, it's like he's trying to what? To keep like... Hollywood looking pure because he even says like that exact word to Scarlett's character innocent 
It's trying to make Hollywood look innocent in this cold war so people have something like fun to be doing. Yeah. So this is actually, it's like all real stuff. I mean, Eddie Mannix is a real person. That was the character. That was his character. And he was a real person. He was head of MGM or part of that. And he did have a reputation of being a fixer. That was like his claim to fame is keeping all the kind of scandalous headlines for his actors out of the news. That's super interesting. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so, we, I mean, they're all kind of in line with this. Like, even the main one that they kind of end up, we end up seeing with George Clooney's character, mm-hmm. where they keep on, what is it, something of the eagle? And they, they keep on talking about on this movie. On the wings of the eagle. On the wing, wings of the eagle. On that's, the wig, e- wings of eagles or something like yeah, that? That's based on a real story with um, Clark Gable and Gone with the Wind. A rumor that went around about his involvement with really? Gone with the Wind. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll get, right, well, we'll, we'll get into it later. They oh, dropped yeah, yeah. that bombshell later. Yeah. But anyway, we should probably, you know, we focus a lot on this first couple scenes, and uh, we got to get this thing under time. I'm, so I'm going. All of a sudden, you better do it, man. <laughs> Wait, can yes. I cut in? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we jump uh, uh, jump forward. Now JB is, uh, well, actually, we're, we're in Rome. Well, no, we're not. JB is watching a film uh, uh, that he is working on of uh, a Roman film here with uh, George Clooney's character. The uh, title appears on the screen, Hail Caesar – a tale of Christ. Right. And there's a lot of scenes missing. There's something going on with uh, one of the biblical figures, you know, seeing God. I don't know what that, if that ever came into fruition, what that was all about. Yeah, I think they're just, they just haven't done all the special effects portions of it, but they've gotten most of the filming done for this grand epic. And he's just kind of trying to wrap it up. He, everything uh, seems like everything is going smoothly, by uh, uh, seemingly, other than them trying to make sure it adheres to what like the church wants and try to make sure it appeals most broadly, but still mm-hmm. is like appropriate or whatever. Uh, he then returns to his office, and you can see him kind of juggling calls. Uh, oh yeah, is se- talking with his secretary. His wife calls him at one point and uh, says that his son's getting moved on, on the base, baseball field from shortstop to somewhere, I think. I did, find, I did find this interesting because, well, he's moved from first base to shortstop, and uh, he didn't want to play shortstop. But uh, I think it's kind of an – it is interesting because I think kind of the idea of the entire film seems to be the very, very, very incredibly hectic and almost cartoon-like day of, of this Hollywood fixer. And in the middle of it, his wife calls him with a very specific fix she wants for their kids, and which is, involves this baseball coach. And he's like, I'll call the coach. And later we see it come back to, and just kind of fixed itself. Yeah, he yep. totally forgot that. He, he's juggling all this stuff with all of his actors and forgets, like, his kids. One thing even, that needed to be done. Say, well, I guess it fixed itself. It fixed itself, yeah. Like, like he doesn't he, – the one thing for his family he didn't even do, even though he fixed, like, everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, we start to bounce around to some of the other uh, films that are taking place. I, I guess this is all taking place at MGM. I didn't even really pay attention. No, no, no. Well, so it's, it's Capital Studio. It's Capital yeah, Pictures. Yeah. It's, a fake, it's a fake version of yeah. MGM, yeah. Uh, the next uh, movie set we're on is a Western starring uh, Alden Ehrenreich's character, Hobie Doyle. And it's basically just showing him being a gunslinging cowboy in the Western Yeah, and Western someone had called films. up. They, they needed someone's stat on a different movie. And so – he was being called in to go to this other movie and be the fill-in. Basically, the guy back in New York who owns the production company wants his character, uh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich's character, to be a bigger star. So, like, he's going to be it, even though everyone kind of knows he doesn't – isn't going to fit very well. And we'll see why. To great comedy effect. 
It would be like putting John Wayne in a really artsy film. Or like John Wayne in a biopic of Genghis Khan. Exactly. Which happened. Well, that might and actually it's terrible. be all right. Really? Oh, yeah, it's called The Conqueror. It's one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> I want to watch that. <laughs> they so, yeah, so we, uh... He's amazing, by the way. All narrate. he's like kind of like jumping around on horses. He seems like he's just, oh, oh he's like a stunt stunt writer doing all these cra- this crazy shit, but obviously he's not really acting while he's doing it. That's right. Anyways, yeah. Uh, then we see uh, Newman from Seinfeld looking very weaselly, and we see him pour something. Uh, he is dressed in like a toga. Is that what those are called? Yep. Uh, we yeah, see him pouring we something. We cut back over to Rome right Yeah, we're now. in the yeah. house, Caesar. Yeah. That's the, the giveaway is the toga and the- And you also, you forgot to say that Newman looking hot. He is looking pretty hot. Yeah. Uh, but he's up to something. He's up, he's up to no good. And we see that he pours something into a goblet, large goblet, uh, trying to be secretive about it. And no, then, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in and just okay. say I did laugh here when the screen cut to his friend and his friend's eyes were just darting left and right. That was very cartoony and it cracked me up. It's the tall, mm-hmm. skinny, squirrely guy like that yes. gets cast in everything to be the tall, skinny, squirrely guy. Uh, everyone knows exactly who I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden, oh, we're in the set of the Hail Caesar film here, the, that, and the action has started rolling, and on comes the boy, George Clooney, who- uh, Looking sweet. Looking very sweet, playing obviously a leader character uh, in Rome here, and he is chatting with someone and approaches the goblet, and the- uh, Squirrely, squirrely uh, villains here. Uh, the I don't know what you'd want to call them. They're they're communists. <laughs> really over the top. They're they're they're, they're, they're going to be revealed to be communists. <laughs> uh, they're watching and they're they're uh, the, the, the humor here is they're just like waiting for him to take a drink and he keeps getting interrupted. George Clooney keeps keeps getting interrupted and laughing at the the dialogue that he's having with this other guy. But finally, he takes a big gulp of it. And they watch him, uh, you know, expectantly. And then uh, the scene, you know, wraps. They got the, the, the cut they wanted and they follow him out. Uh, they're taking a break and they follow him out. And he is stumbling and bumbling all by himself. So the two guys follow him back to his trailer and they knock on the door. And sure enough, uh, Baird Whitlock, played by George Clooney, comes barreling out. He is He is not feeling too hot. And they catch him. And that scene ends there. Yeah, they kidnap him. So, and and <clears throat> it's supposed to be that basically in the middle of all this, this isn't even like a weird occurrence. It's just part of the fixer's day. Oh, Barry Whitlock like disappeared. And he gets, he's like, oh, he must have went on a bender in the afternoon. Is that such like a surprise? And everyone's like, no. And that's actually probably why they were even able to kidnap him because they knew he would drink out of the goblet. Um Because he's a drunk. <laughs> so he wants to drink out of the goblet. He wants to drink all the wine or whatever. Uh, but anyways, yeah, there's a couple other things kind of going on here, which is a little bit peripheral. Like he, Mannix is getting an offer from Lockheed Martin or not, not at that point, not Lockheed Martin. Lockheed, actually, a really uh, funny, funny scene that we're, we're skipping is, uh, he actually sent out the, you know, the, the test, the test role here, still missing some scenes, but, 
uh, to oh, various yeah. religious groups. Uh, that is a funny scene. They got the Christians and Catholics and the Hasidic Who Jews knows? and everyone. Yeah. yeah, all sorts of different religions. And he's trying to get you know make sure that uh, Jesus and God aren't portrayed in like an offensive light in any way in this film. He wants it to be unoffensive. You know, this is him, the fixer. He wants to make sure that there's nothing he's going to have to fix or patch once they release this to the mass market. And, the uh, rabbi was by far the funniest. Yeah, they're kind of going around, it and, and so everyone, funny. everyone's like, they're kind of arguing almost philosophical things, and the rabbi just keeps on saying, like, well, it doesn't start God. Like, they're like, oh, but is the depiction of God okay? And the rabbi just keeps on, or the, yeah, the rabbi keeps on saying, like, but God's not in it. <laughs> like, and then finally yeah, at the end, God's he's just like, God's I have not no opinion. It. Yeah, and then everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, everything's pretty good, it's pretty good, and he's like, I don't have an opinion. And then... <laughs> Uh, one thing I also thought was funny in the scene is uh, one of the other guys, because he's like, so what do you think about the depiction of uh, the Christ in it? And some guy's like, how does that guy jump from one chariot to another while it's going at full speed? There's no way that would ever happen. <laughs> he's like, all right, but what do you think about like Jesus in it? Right. It's actually a very long scene uh, for the movie where it definitely is bouncing around for a lot of different characters and everything. This is one actually the longer scenes in the movie. Yeah, and yeah, so as I said, like, uh, Eddie, he's getting, or Mannix is getting an offer from Lockheed, and the idea of this is just simply to give him a cushy job. They want him to just come there and have a super cushy job. They just want his name, basically, there, and so he's deciding between what's clearly a very, very difficult, hectic, kind of shitty job for this film corporation, or go work for Lockheed and have this cushy job where he makes a bunch of money doing not that much and gets to spend more time with his family. And he's like juggling this this feeling of should I do one or the other? Um, and also we get a very brief scene and, and I'm not even necessarily sure what the point of the storyline even is. We see Scarlett Johansson yes. being one of his stars who has gotten pregnant by a married film director. And there's this very big kind of elaborate um, uh, singing synchronized swimming scene mm-hmm. that she's in and in the end they're kind of like we need you to get married because you can't have a baby unmarried and we're going to figure this out and so his first thought Mannix's first thought is I'm just going to have you marry the director that you're having an affair with not knowing that he's already married so it comes back but I'm I'm not totally sure what the point is other there, than to show him really fixing the solution. I don't think I think yeah. they're just kind of showing off that we got Scar Joe on this, and I think they had a little fun with the synchronized swimming, kind of like they do a little bit later with uh, Channing Tatum's character. Right. Well, and just that he'll go to, like, all lengths to do – I mean, even, like, the most ridiculous things are like, yeah. all right, so we have to cover this up. We have to, like, get you – Married, and then later they're like, uh, "Can she adopt her own baby?" Yeah, so right, it looks yeah. like she adopted somebody from outside, so it doesn't look like you know she had this with somebody and is going to be a single mother. So yeah. he'll go to like all ends of the earth to get this problem fixed, so she looked good in the public eye. Exactly. It's gotta be, that's, yeah. that's it. it. It's like I feel like the whole movie they're just trying to because there's that one scene that comes up. You guys will cover when they hand about like you know the the Cold War and and, and you know nuclear nuclear holocaust, and it's just keeping Hollywood innocent and happy for the everyday person to just escape to and right. i think she was it i mean that's why because back then it was so taboo right and then i think it i think kind of the point is it's the one definitive thing you see through the movie to be his his fix so if they were going to show something of him being really a fixer that's the one that you're seeing during the film 
where he really does fix it. He goes from one idea, which kind of fizzles out because the director is married, to another idea of adopting her own baby. And then in the end of the day, it actually doesn't need to happen anyways. And so he kind of has shepherded this very difficult problem all the way to its conclusion. And he's like, great. There we go. And so it's a good, it's kind of like the through line of him being a fixer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Baird has been uh, abducted. He wakes up in a uh, beach house in Malibu, I guess. And he kind of comes out and finds out that <gasps> he's been kidnapped by who? Communists. Communists. <gasps> and it's funny. He's, so, he's such an idiot. And this is kind of a theme in Coen Brothers, but where one of the main characters is like a total doofus and just like a complete idiot. Like Burn After Reading, it was Brad Pitt's character. Here, it's this guy where within like seconds, he's totally in and roped in on his own kidnapping and ransom. He's like, yeah, great. I'm in. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Yeah. But then we cut on over and we see our boy, Hobie Doyle. Yeah. Can on act. set of his new film with a very prominent, famous director, Lawrence Lawrence. Right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, it's really funny here, Brown. It I is funny. I, I do. Whatever, I do. I, got, I do really have some quotes here. Yeah. I got some. I got some soundboard stuff here, uh, and I won't even take it against your guys' time. But uh, so he goes in, and Lawrence is, or Lawrence is trying to describe to him what he needs to do and all this type of stuff. And he's, you know, he's expects the best because every movie he makes is really good. And so he even struggles to get the door open when he busts into this one scene. Action. Oh, Monty. Come, join me on the divan. <laughs> Staring into the camera at this point. <laughs> yes. It seems Allegra's a no-show, which is simply a bore. But I'll partner you and Bridge. Why the pout? Ha! Oh, would that it were so simple. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very great scene when, when the director tries to get him to say the, the line just like him. He's like, what? what you, why, why are you doing that? Why are you moving your hands? Stop moving your hands. Would but it's well, I've got the so whole simple. thing. I've got the Would whole the thing right so here. Simple. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, <laughs> come, come. Um, all right, let's try this. Your line, just say it as I said. Say your line exactly as I'm about to, just as I'm about to do. Sure. Okay. Would that it were so simple? 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 My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say it were? Well, you should say it like I said. Yes. Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? Would that it would that it were so simple? Watch my mouth. Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? Keep your head still. Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? Would that it were so simple? I'm trying to say that, Mr. Lawrence. Lawrence. I thought. 
A minute ago, it was Loran. No, we can use Christian names, my good dear boy. Lawrence is fine, just as I call you Hobie. Okay. So, would the tatoueur sample? Would the tatoueur sample? Would the tatoueur sample? Trippingly. Would the tatoueur sample? Trippingly. No, don't say trippingly. Say the line trippingly. Would the tatoueur? Would the tatoueur would the detour sample? 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 And I won't count that like minute forty five again. That was a, that was a long clip, but uh, it was good. I mean, that, that's probably I think that may be my favorite scene. There's there's other ones that are pretty funny as well. Um, they're pretty good at making these very long kind of dialogue driven scenes be pretty funny. Cone this one sets up my favorite scene, which I've got also for later. Is that the? Uh, it, it sets oh, yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. All right, so what's next? What happens next? Uh, uh, really, of of import, the only thing ne- – I mean, it kind of – we can almost jump ahead to where Lawrence Lawrence busts into – I was going to say, yeah. Josh Brolin's office here and says that uh, Hobie can't act and he uh, – <laughs> Josh Brolin says, you you got him. You're, you're stuck with him. Make it work. And uh, we kind of see how that comes back around full circle at the end. I really, li- I really liked how they made it work too. Yeah, it's end. pretty funny. <laughs> like they do a bunch of clips of him without actually seeing Hobie, just with his feet and stuff like that. Where they even even where he messes up that door, like coming in through the door, they create it or they make it part of the uh movie. So instead, like as he's walking towards the door, you see just his feet and him stop and stare at like some bags and he becomes curious. So the mistake he made is coming into the door makes it seem like he's thinking about the bag in the hallway. And so, like, they incorporated his mistake into the storyline. It's like, oh, wow, that's actually – it's, like, really clever by the director <laughs> to fit it all in there and make it seem seamless in some ways. Mm-hmm. Around this point, then, uh, Josh Brolin also then receives a call and learns that they uh, – he now knows where Baird, uh, George Clooney's character, is. He has been kidnapped – um, I don't know if he knows at this point if they're that they're communist or not yet, but they are. He just knows them as the future, I think, right? The future, yes, and that yeah. they want a hundred thousand dollars, and he has to make a delivery to one of his stages behind the uh, phone booth or whatever. And this is kind of funny too because he has no problem obtaining a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like he's just like, well, it's funny because he. Cash? Uh, yeah, he calls the county. He's like, I need petty cash. And I'm like, how much? He's like, uh, like $100,000. You have that on hand? Like, Great. Yeah. Then he gets a briefcase. He clears it out and he has trouble fitting the $100,000 into it. <laughs> it's, like, it's not small. It's not big enough to fit the money into. No. But then he also, uh, at this point, Hobie Doyle is in his office and he's talking about the film. And, you know, he's not going to say anything bad about Lawrence Lawrence, but you can tell it. He's kind of like, this isn't really working out super great. But uh, all of a sudden, Eddie tells Hobie what's going on and what why he has this briefcase. And he turns out to be pretty valuable because Hobie kind of points out that when he's on a film, you know everyone. You show up and you're like, hey, Joe, what's up? But the only people you don't know every single day are extras. So if you were looking for someone suspicious to potentially kidnap, you should probably look towards the extras. And then he also, very pointedly for the plot, says, do you need my belt uh, to close your briefcase that's clearly way too filled with cash 
And Brolin's like, yeah, sure. And then he pulls out his, his belt and his pants fall down and you totally see his dick. Whoa, not even on a sub? Well, no, this time it wasn't on a sub, but you know, it's more about the captain aura at that point, right? Mm -hmm. That captain energy, if you will. Oh, okay. Yeah. We also see both of Tilda Swinton's characters. She's playing twin sisters who are both newsies that are trying to break the the big story. It's going to be great for the twin season of the podcast. It is, although I wasn't a big fan of uh, Tilda Swinton's characters in this. Kind of just... Uh, kind of was just a hurdle in there. Didn't really further the plot in any way. Yeah, I guess the basically real... he makes promises to each of them that they're each going right. to kind of get their respect. You know, you're going to get a exclusive with Hobie Doyle, who's going to be dating Carlota. Blah 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 blah. It's going to be exclusive. No one knows that they're dating and that kind of stuff. Makes yeah, a promise it, to kind of get him off of his uh, back for a little bit. It's another fixer thing, I guess, because in the end he kind of does a, he does a little clever twist around to get out of the. Uh, kind of the issues he has with the gossip um, journalists. Mm-hmm. So and then uh, we find ourselves, and this is probably my favorite scene of the movie. We get to meet the uh, Channing Tatum's character in his uh, film that he is on. And this is, happens to be the stage. Uh, this is where the, this is the set that uh, Josh Brolin has to deliver the money to and hide it behind the phone booth. Channing Tatum is on the set of a, uh, old-timey bar where a bunch of sailors are on shore leave for a little bit here, uh, uh, doing a little uh, bit of merriment here in the bar, and it breaks into a musical. This is a musical movie, obviously, that they're a part of. And I forgot that Channing Tatum was a dancer. I forgot that he had a background in that. You what? Yeah, I didn't. I, I you forgot, forgot all about, that I Channing did, Tatum, Tatum was a was dancer? A dancer. Yeah, I was just thought of him as one of the greatest actors of our generation. The star of Magic Mike XXL. Magic Mike, and he was in one of the (laughs) Jupiter Ascending. Wasn't he in one of the Step Up to the Streets or something like that too? Uh, yeah, he was. It's called Step Up, and he he was a star. Step up, yep. And he uh, he puts on a, a groovy dance number here, uh, synchronized dance with all of the sailors here that I, I thought was pretty good. Actually, I, I was kind of impressed with it. I'm I don't know who the Cohen brothers would have brought in for something like this, but uh, well choreographed and and fun uh, musical number. I don't know if Channing actually did any of the singing or not. I'm sure Jamie's got some trivia on that. Uh, but um, we end I don't up- know if he did. Actually, I don't have trivia. On- there was trivia on. Um- Hobie Doyle and the fact that he, I mean, that actor didn't sing the moon song, but okay. I didn't see anything necessarily in the trivia about Channing Tatum. Regardless, uh, Josh Brolin makes the drop and then goes over and speaks with the director who looked, was this the, was this the Highlander? Yeah. Oh no, no, this wasn't the Highlander wasn't, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Yes. The director? <laughs> sorry, there's, two, there's two different Highlander actors in this film. <laughs> So oh, I got okay. confused for a second. Uh, yes, he is the Highlander. It's it's Christopher Lambert is the yes. director. All right. Well, two minute warning. All right, wrap this up yeah. in two minutes. <clears throat> we could do it. Uh, I forget what he even wanted with the director. Uh, he wanted but, to get. He wanted to have her marry Scarlett Johansson, and he was like, "I'm already uh, married." And do you like skiing? And he's like, "No." And then that was the end of the scene. <laughs> it's the end of that. Great. Great. Yeah. Uh, we're back with the communist there. Uh, George Clooney's bought in. He's asking, can I basically, you know, go and be a communist now? Can I just leave and walk off the premises? Like, eh, no, we got to make some more money yet. Basically, uh, we're 
in an office with this dude. I don't know who the hell that was. I forget. Secretary. Obviously. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> randomly, this wasn't necessary, but a little cameo scene here. Josh Brolin goes to watch uh, some yeah. footage of the Hobie Doyle uh, film with Lawrence Lorenz. Uh, he goes and to watch. This is my favorite scene in the <laughs> movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, he also oh, goes here because he needs something. He needs something for um, on Eagle's wings. He's going right. to get it from this person, uh, and she's watching the film. And this is Francis McDormand. That's yeah. what I meant, Francis McDormand. Yes. And uh, we we get to see the scene that he was trying to practice so hard and so funny. It seems Allegra is a no show, which is simply a bore. But I'll partner you and Bridge. By the pout. It's complicated. <laughs> it's great. It's re- it's really it's really like good example. Threw of that this, whole yeah. other thing away. It's like we can't do that. Just, yeah, it's it's so simple. <laughs> it's complicated. Right. Um, and are we then on to the night stuff where Doyle goes out on his date? Uh, we're back yes. in the bar. He's negotiating with that guy again. Uh, Hobie Doyle goes on oh, yeah. a date with Carlota. Who I did like, I like the scene just in, in general of them being like these young up and coming kind of star, star and starlet. And obviously being going to be like the toast of the town in terms of like gossip rags, mm-hmm. but also just generally, generally being super talented <laughs> like he's obviously mm-hmm. like mega talented and then she's like this uh dancer and she's like oh it's no big deal and she kind of does this like dance real quick and they're really hitting Sounds it like off and really loving her, her being the chiquita lady maybe yeah yeah yes yes how do you balance those bananas on your head and she does like a quick dance with it and stuff like that and they just seem like super charming and super kind of like liking each other and you could even see imagine not that long in the future where they have like a, a big like celebrity um, wedding and marriage and stuff like that because they mm-hmm. seem like they're just like really hitting it off. Josh Brolin has a late dinner, uh, talks right. with his uh, wife about some new opportunities that he's got where he can take a different job and work yeah, less this hours. Was, this was another interesting because she's basically doing the very 1950s like, well, mm-hmm. I defer to you. You know best, like all this stuff. And he's like, well, one of them, I mean, if I took this other job, I'd be home more because he basically missed everything. The kids are already asleep. He's having dinner reheated. He didn't even call the coach, which was the only fixing job he had for his family. And she's like, well, I would I would like that you had more time at home. And he's like, mm, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too bad. Wife played by Allison Pill. <laughs> yeah. For all those pill heads out there. Uh, Junkies. George Clooney is putting together a puzzle with the communist. They do a screening of Lazy Old Moon, which is Hobie Doyle's Western film. Right. Yeah. So that was that was only that was funny just because it was so silly and ridiculous. The fat guy like jumping into the into the hog trough. Yeah, it was so stupid. But everyone's kind of loving it. It seems to be coming off perfectly great. So you look at this super silly thing and everyone seems like really satisfied with it which i guess was the point of these and like Hobie 50s. hated it it seemed like which was kind of well interesting. i think he was i think he was concerned i mean it was kind of weird that everyone was laughing over him singing but then eventually he kind of bought in like oh everyone's having a good time so this is fine like he was nervous about the singing but no one was really even paying attention to him singing then and what's Star like, Joe okay. doing with uh, Jonah Hill? Yeah, so this was so the the way the scheme was going to work with the adoption was they have this guy who's just a person. So the idea is a professional person who, when they need a person to come in and like 
pretend to be or pretend to have driven a car that got wrecked while someone was drunk he comes and takes the rap for that so he spent they even say he's like super reliable he's the most reliable person in hollywood because he even did six months time for one of the actors and stuff like that so he's going to be the guy i know i know he's gonna be the guy who takes scar joe's baby and pretends to have had the baby and then will give up the baby so ScarJo can adopt the baby. So he's just a professional person who will show up and say, I had this baby. And under the under the kind of rug, he will have officially adopted her baby and then she will adopt it back. But and then one funny key, did anyone else notice this when they were going to unseal the documents? No. Like 2015 so the, something yeah, it's, it's exactly It's exactly yeah. the year that this would have went into production oh, yeah, yeah. and film. So the idea – I think the idea of it is that these documents are how they made the film is they were released and the idea is the Coen brothers then made a film about all this stuff that was released. Oh, okay. It's kind of gotcha. like a weird meta thing in there. Uh, we're then at dinner with uh – Whatever I got, I forgot his name. Hobie, 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 Hobie yeah. and Carlotta. Hobie uh, is doing some, you know, of his tricks that he was doing with the lasso, but with you know, random junk on the table, spaghetti and stuff. He did the lasso. They're hitting thing. it off, hitting it off. But oh shoot, Hobie sees <clears throat> that snake skin or whatever it was. Briefcase with his skin, belt. Briefcase. <clears throat> and he has to follow them out of the uh, restaurant and kind of stands up Carlotta there, and also yeah. Tilda Swinton there who wants the the scoop. Right. So he runs out. He jumps in the car. He's chasing after them. He drives all the way up into the hills or into Malibu and finds the communist house. He goes in. There's George Clooney looking sweet, sitting there. And he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Uh, we should just say like, really interesting ideas here. And Hobie is basically like, we're getting out of here. So let's get let's jet. And uh, then finally. Now. Now. What everyone's been waiting for. Scene. The a big, Russian the big sub. scene. The, uh, there is a canoe, and we got a bunch of the Russians in it, although they're all wearing like gray and black. They actually look like Nazis. But uh, at the helm is our wonderfully talented Channing Tatum, who just demonstrated his dance moves earlier. Lo and behold, he is the communist leader. Right. And he's got a <laughs> dog. A small dog. He's got a small a dog. small dog. And uh, – he says that it's about time. Look, checks his watch. Sure enough, a red beacon emerges from the water. And soon after, we notice the submarine burst through the surface. And basically, they're, they're saying goodbye. He's going to return to the motherland, I guess. Yep. And he brings his dog aboard, or he's starting to climb the ladder on the side of the sub. Oh, no, he, hold leaves, on. he leaves he his just dog behind the ladder. Yeah. He, he leaves his leaves. dog behind. He magnificently yeah. leaps, he runs up the boat, oh, leaps, right. and does like this like ballet striking pose in midair and grabs onto the side of the sub. Some would mm-hmm. say that's like a some would say he's, steel yeah. type look back at the boat. He stepped up to the sub, really. And uh, he says, take care of my dog. But they gave him the money that they've been uh, hustling <laughs> the studio yeah. from. It would, do better the the, it would do better in the money motherland. They throw him in the briefcase of, of money. So he's got that. But then the dog's like, no, I don't want to hang out with these communists. I want to go with you. So he jumps and uh, he tries to catch the dog. But in doing so, drops the briefcase. 
and the communists, with a forlorn look upon their face, watch as the briefcase submerges to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And then... <laughs> he just climbs off. He's like, all right. Yeah, so. All right. See you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then the captain salutes one more time. That was actually Dolph Lundgren. Uh, they cut his scenes, though. Um, the person on the sub. And, really? Uh, oh, yeah. And you can see his outlined dick. And you're like, whoa, that is definitely Dolph Lundgren. I can 100% tell. And then the submarine goes away. We cut to Hobie and Clooney heading down and all the police are going up to catch all the communists. Duh, because they're commies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then George Clooney arrives at the studio in JB's office. And he's they- like going on and on about communism. He's loving it. And Mannix is like slaps the shit out of him. Slaps him silly, basically. And it's like, don't you bad mouth like the, the company – we're doing a good job for this thing. And more or less, you get the feeling that this is one of the main things that turns him from taking the job at Lockheed to con- continuing to do this. It's kind of like, I am doing something good. I know. We know, <laughs> Kyle. I think it should just be one guy every week. <laughs> be way quicker. So anyways, the conclusion is that one, ScarJo does not have to have her baby and uh, readopt it because she's now in a relationship with Jonah Hill's character. B, Mannix takes care of that business with George Clooney by basically saying your source was a communist to uh, Tilda Swinton. And it's like, you don't want to publish something like that because I'm going to out you as being in leaks with a communist. And she's like, oh, shit. He then uh, basically goes to – he had been to confession and the priest had been like, do what feels right because God wants you to do right. And so he turns down Lockheed and continues to do his job. And and so as Zach had kind of pointed out before we even started recording, this kind of more or less sums up similarly to a lot of uh, Coen Brothers films where it's like this intricate thing, kidnapping, blah, 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 all this stuff. I know. And in the end, Mannix is just happy doing the same thing he's always been doing. The Zach, end. Zach. Yeah. <laughs> the end. That's it, man. Clancy, Clancy Brown in there uh, a little bit as well. That's right. Yeah. So that was all a play, play on Ben Hur. But yeah, Clancy Brown. That's why I said Highlander guy. Clancy Brown was the uh. was the bad guy in Highlander, the uh, the antagonist to Crystal Lambert's protagonist. Also from Shawshank Redemption and SpongeBob. And, yeah, and buddy. Carnival. All right. All right. Good so, job, guys. I know Rock it was. Stars. We did okay. forty-five minutes. You know that's not too bad. We got to get. Let's get popping to some reviews. Who wants to go first? I can do it. Let's do it. Uh, so I've watched a few Coen Brothers films. Uh, I've seen uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and Fargo, and I enjoyed those. I think uh, there's probably a few others. I think I watched uh, Burn After Reading. I was too young to probably appreciate that one. Um, with that this one, so good. I know you guys talk about it a lot. I think Alex and uh, I think Alex and Zach talk about it quite a bit too. I'm going to shock you. I'm going to shock you with my opinion of that film. I I need to watch it again. I need to watch it again. This one fresh on my mind here. Watched it. Kind of watched through it again as I helped with the recap tonight. And uh, I I say I'll, I'll say I appreciated it more. Uh, as we did the recap here, appreciating some of the funny things and fun things uh, that I kind of 
you know, kind of glossed over when I first watched it, just because it, it, it didn't really have much continuity and thing. Uh, it was, they were bouncing around too much. And now kind of talking about it, it kind of makes you appreciate what they're doing to kind of illustrate how Josh Brolin is this fixer and he's got to bounce around and, and juggle all these tasks. I thought he did a good job with that. And I thought they did a good job with that. But ultimately, they did a little bit too much of it where it just felt so staccato, if you want to use like a music term, where they're just, it's just peppering things too fast and too quick that there's just really no rhythm to the movie. And then ultimately, just the plot in general, like I like the idea of, you know, a actor getting kidnapped by communists and all the hijinks that go with it. I thought there could have been a lot more fun there, even with like have more screen time for the Newman character and those guys doing goofy shit. Um, it could have been a lot more fun. I, I, there, there's a lot more room for this film to be, um, you know, entertaining, I think, with the plot that they did have, you know, and such a cool set too. you know, to be in old school Hollywood. There's so many uh, things they could have took advantage of. But uh, ultimately, it just felt really, it felt really cumbersome and awkward to me uh, how it all came together. And I'm going to give it a five and a half. There you wow. go. Wow, that seems a little, that seems a little low to me. All right, <clears throat> you want to go? Yeah, I'll hop in quick. Mine won't be long. Do it. They never are. Six. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. Um. So I've seen I haven't seen all the Coen Brothers films, but I do really like the Coen Brothers films. This one, um, it's kind of like what Ben just said. Initially, I probably would have given this a four, but kind of just talking over it, hearing the um, the, uh, the the clips again. Yeah, I mean, I, I did, there's I guess there's more about it that I liked, but I didn't like it not because the film was like poorly made, but just because some of the actors I just don't I'm just not a fan of like Josh Brolin. I don't. I don't really care about him. I didn't care about his character. I think they could have uh, casted him differently. Have you seen Goonies? Goonies? No, never saw it. Uh, um, that's why you don't like Josh Brolin, <laughs> hero of the film. I just, I don't know. I never, so I, inst- immediately right there, I didn't care about the central character. I didn't like him the whole entire movie. The communists were funny. George Clooney's always amazing. I like him in everything I've seen him in. But compared to like the Lebowski Compared to Burn After Eating, No Country for Old Men, none of those like really interesting side characters. I don't know. I just never really connected with any of the ones in this film. So on the Coen Brothers rewatchability factor scale, uh, this is at probably the bottom of my list. So I'll give it I'll give it a six. My question for you, Zach, and for everyone. Do you guys feel that there were a few of the characters that they could have kind of just cut out and just not had their storylines in I it mean, at all? And who, yeah, and who absolutely. would those be? Absolutely. I, that, I mean, I think they underplayed Scarlett Johansson's character like immensely. Like, it wasn't even interesting. Like, I didn't yeah, even right. give a shit about her. I would actually would have preferred <laughs> that to be a little bigger, but Tilda Swinton's entire thing to just be gone. Yeah. yeah like, she's that one great. I didn't like. And that character wasn't, just didn't, wasn't grip. Like, it didn't, I don't know excite me at all it just wasn't as creative or unique or flamboyant or whatever word you want to use as of the of the other coen brothers films that i've seen mm-hmm. so all right so did you give it what'd you give it i gave it a six i mean it wasn't it was not bad but yeah. for the for the coen films it's towards the bottom of the list for i was me. with you zach i was gonna give it i think a four and a half yeah well and and i'll i'll clear something up as a submarine movie i'd probably give it a one yeah <laughs> yeah guys yeah. does this need a sub 
does not necessarily need a sub, no. But I, I thought it was better incorporated than it was in some of the other ones we've watched for I, the I, cycle. I think that's a good point because I, I do think, yes, obviously you could have cut the submarine and no one would have noticed. But I think it's a good note to have the submarine come in and be what Channing Tatum. It, f- it fit the theme too. Yeah, exactly. It, fit yeah. the it, movie. It, fits, it, it very much fits the movie to have the submarine be what comes picks, picks him up. Mm-hmm. The, the tone of the movie is it's fitting to have I'll the say this show. is the best of the cycle because what do we have the first strike that was lousy and that was, then yeah, the that other one, one that was one Escape from LA which you could have made any other you could have hang glided yeah, in you could true. have flew in and parachuted in you know you could have done any, any extreme sports so I think this is the best of those so far I agree we'll have to see if it remains at the top it won't <sighs> oh okay <laughs> You want to go, Jamie? Oh, yeah, I can definitely go. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to end up at a seven, I think. Um, I enjoyed this film. I don't, again, I, I, I'm, I'm also someone who hasn't seen all of the Coen brothers, probably half, and that might, not, that might be a little generous. The one thing I, right off the bat, I was like, this is a little too cartoony. It almost felt like, it almost felt like Coen brothers doing Wes Anderson or something like that. Like they almost veered mm-hmm. into this very, cartoony version of what they did like everything was amped up and some of the stuff they did because other films that they do have kind of that cartoony stuff to it like you think burn after reading or you think big lebowski um you know those kind of films have fargo even they have kind of cartoony elements to them but it's still grounded in reality i felt like this one became a little unhinged from reality and became much more cartoony so it felt like almost someone building a world like uh, Wes Anderson did. But as the movie went on, I really liked kind of the themes that were going on and how it was framed around this like one day in the life of someone like this and also just how warped his like entire life was and how like it focused around fixing these kind of terrible people's lives to fit a narrative. He was almost he was almost like making a movie himself behind the scenes of making a movie. He was creating a story for everyone to consume outside of the films themselves and stuff like that. So I, I like that theme. I liked what was going on with it. Um, so that's kind of what bumped it up in the end. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed the movie in that sense a little bit more than maybe just how extreme it went into the cartoonness of it. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Mustard Man, you want to go? Um, I'm going to come in at a 7.25. Just Ooh, a little bit wow. higher. Than oh, enjoyed James. it. I... I did like it. Um, I don't think it's the best work the Coen Brothers have done. But what is the be- what, what 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 do you think is the best that you that you've seen? I I forgot about the Big Lebowski. I've seen <laughs> yeah, that one too. I love Big Lebowski. That one's hilarious. And as you mentioned earlier, I really do like Burn After Reading too. Those does anybody like Oh Brother Where Art Thou? I do oh, yeah. love uh, yeah. I would yeah. just say, isn't yeah. it? Is it generally considered that no country is their opus or no? I think so. I think yes. that's probably my oh, favorite one. Theirs too. I actually did not like Burn After Reading. I like this one a lot more <clears throat> than Burn After Reading. I did not like uh, No Country for Old Men. I'd say Fargo is probably my favorite. Oh, that's a good one too. Hmm. That one's great. Dapper Dan, man, damn it! That's old brother. Uh, I mean, Anyways. they're all good. Yeah, I agree. They are. Yes. Other than, other um, than the Lady Killers, the Lady Killers is not. Ooh, good. that movie sucked. I fr- I didn't know they did that one. That was a bad one. It's one of the few I haven't seen from them. Good. I know they wrote a lot, and they didn't necessarily direct every single thing. But all right. 
So what else do you what I interrupted you, Alex, sorry. No, that's fine. Uh 7.25. Um I really enjoyed kind of everything that you had said, Jamie, that it follows this one guy very closely and all the inner workings around it. And it's just interesting how it all kind of comes together. Not necessarily the best, not necessarily the worst of how he does stuff. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good, like a little dirty or greasy. Um, but I, I like seeing that kind of stuff. And I also like how they kind of depict old school Hollywood and my previous ratings of old school Hollywood. I always rate them really high. I don't know why I just really love it. Um, so it's kind of neat to see their take and their spin on it. So I think that's one reason why I also enjoyed it. Um, does it need a sub in it? Uh, I think it fits, um, the best way to get them out considering they're already on the West coast. You know, there's no other way to really get them off undetected uh, from the country, especially when they're that close to this, uh, to the coast. So I, I think this one, it serves its purpose. It's good. I think it's fine being in here, although it's what in there for like a minute, minute and a half, if that. <laughs> Whoa, no, I, I actually timed it. It's closer to five minutes. Whoa. Oh, was it really? Oh, well, wow. like the whole scene with them going out in the boat, waiting for the sub. The okay. Whole, okay. It's about five minutes long. All right. Um, yeah, I think it definitely served its point. Um, I did not see the deleted scenes with Dolph in it. That would have been great to see. Uh, that might have even bumped it up the rating a little higher for me. But overall, uh, I'm going to stick with the 7.25. I think you can see the scenes on YouTube, I believe. I Are think they? I've watched them before, yeah, because I, I wanted to confirm that he was in the movie. And I think I've, I've watched it. I think they're on YouTube. All right, okay. I'll take a look. Oh, and I also – I had to step away from my desk when you guys were talking about this, but I – Channing Tatum actually did perform that song. It's called No Dames. Mm-hmm. And it's actually he did the on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, he performed cool. it. He didn't write it or anything, but uh, he did perform it and he did do the dancing for all of it. So, yes. He's like. Uh, That's pretty impressive. He's like the second coming of Jackie Chan. Will that be another season? Tap dance movies? <laughs> put, season, put that towards the end of the just list. Just give it a number. Season, season, it's on yeah, I didn't say you just got to say a number. Season nineteen, tap down. Season right. nineteen. There we go. All right. All right. I shouldn't be alive by then. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Life in the fast lane. Uh, on <laughs> the last right. set, we'll do it. Kyle, Kyle, you got to finish it up. Yeah. So this is actually my second time seeing this movie. I did see it initially in theaters, and like many of you guys had mentioned, the first time you see it, you're kind of like. What is this? Uh, it was kind of my reaction when I saw movie 43 for the first time. Jesus Christ. I didn't really, I didn't know like what I was expecting. <laughs> I had no idea, like I had no idea what I was going into with this movie. Uh, same with movie 43. But then um, like the more you, like you watch it and I watched it again and the second time I thought it was really good. I just loved how a lot of the stuff we've mentioned already, it's just Eddie's life in one day and how absolutely insane it is and all the different people is interacting, like all these superstars and all the egos and just everything going on and how George Clooney was so easily manipulated by the communists. I thought that was really funny because I remember it taking a lot longer before, but no, he's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll be a communist, like right off the bat. Uh, and... It is very jumpy, jumps around a lot, but if you know what to expect, you can really follow it all around. I thought Ray Fine's character in it was so funny. I just love those scenes between him and uh, I can't even remember his name right now. Just come Hobie Doyle. Yeah. Uh, I thought thought those were super funny. 
Um, star-studded cast, thought everybody did super great. And I really liked the the style of it. Yes, I think it needed a sub. Like Alex mentioned, if you're a communist in this time, there's no way that you're going to be able to take a plane and get the heck out of there. That's not true. But you don't I, have to take a plane. You just have to go just like a little bit north and go to the communist country uh, of Canada. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh yeah. those commies. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. <gasps> <laughs> Makes you think, doesn't it? Uh, so. I, I, once again, as I've said in multiple episodes, I apologize to the country of Canada. <laughs> we love you, Canada. Keep your pelts. <laughs> no, give us those pelts. They're worth a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Again, probably not my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I also, they recently came out with that Netflix movie, Battle to Buster Scruggs, which had a lot oh, of different yeah. shorts in it. And I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Uh, and that, I mean, that doesn't really jump around as much as this, but it's all these just separate short films in the same like time period. And it's pretty good. And this one, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give it the highest rating. I'm gonna give it like a seven, seven five. Nice, nice. All nice. right. Especially yes. seeing it a second time, you appreciate it. You know what you're expecting, and I don't know. I think it adds to it. Kyle, I have a question. Yes. How many team t- teams? How many times have you seen movie forty three? I think I've only seen it. Twice. Wow. I've only seen it once, and I have a bad movie website. Did you know that, guys? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's called well, Bad how Movie Twins. I'm sure it's on there. It's a badmovietwins.com. Once. <laughs> there's just no. so many funny scenes. It's just like Dennis Quaid. And it's then, not funny. No, there's get, no funny scenes. Oh, my God. Where they like? <laughs> to be clear to the listener, <laughs> like, no he, funny scenes. Kyle's losing his shit. Right now. Well, <laughs> All right. Dennis Quaid is like in that office, and he's like, "Dude, I even had to jerk off Jerry, the security guard in the parking lot." And he's like, <laughs> "I didn't know Jerry was gay." And he's like, "I'm not, he's not. I had to force it." <laughs> oh my god! Okay. All right, I'm gonna get into tri- I'm gonna get into trivia. <laughs> it's so good. I'm gonna get into trivia because he sees him again later in the parking lot, and it's like Will Sasser. He's like, "Oh shit, there's that guy." <laughs> Oh, uh, if if <laughs> so we end up funny. if we have to end this podcast because we talk about movie forty three for twenty minutes, it'll be oh, fitting. It's it'll ridiculous. be a fitting end. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so trivia. I'm going to jump into trivia. Is that okay? Everybody? Everyone's good. <laughs> yeah, yes, go for dive it. right in. All right. So as you mentioned, nominated for an Oscar in production design, uh, but it was also listed on the National Board of Reviews top ten of 2016. <gasps> also mentioned, Dolph Lundgren had an uncredited, initially much longer, and almost entirely deleted cameo as a submarine captain. Lundgren said that he was very honored to play the part, having never expected to be asked uh, to be in a film directed by the Coen brothers. Uh, the big secret about Barry Whitlock, which the Thacker sisters each threatened to reveal to their respective gossip columns, is likely based on a long-established rumor regarding Gone with the Wind. Reportedly, Clark Gable insisted that original director George Cooker be replaced because Gable had years earlier engaged in a sexual liaison with the influential director as a way to further his own career. And this, again, this is a rumor, so I don't want to be like hit with some slander suit or anything like that, just like a total rumor or whatever uh, regarding that. Interesting. All right, man. Yeah. This is a kind of weird little fact. Josh Brolin and Christopher Lambert previously appeared in The Road Killers, a 1994 film. After the production ended, Lambert 
and his wife Diane Lane divorced, and she went on to marry Brolin in 2004. But then the two divorced just before production began on Hail Caesar, which had both Josh Brolin and Christopher Lambert in it. <gasps> I know, right? Eskimo bros. Oh, yes. Technically, yes. They would Is almost certainly be. Well, I mean, unless one did not consummate the marriage. Oh. We don't know. Never know. If there's snow in the igloo. What? Um, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and so, uh, Hail Caesar, the film within a film, pays several tributes to Ben-Hur, 1959. Uh, include the matching subtitle, A Tale of the Christ, and a scene in which the Roman general portrayed by Baird Whitlock, George Clooney, becomes speechless upon encountering Jesus Christ. So I did find that a funny scene as he kept on doing take after take of being when shocked. Changing like, his eyes. His yeah. Eye, yeah his he became expressions. rendered speechless up. and like squint harder, squint more because <laughs> of the glory of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this had a number of frequent uh, Coen Brothers collaborations in it, but not all of them. Right. So there's some actors who are in a bunch of Coen Brothers that didn't show up here. So who would have been good in this film? Steve Buscemi. Yes. If asked about is he Buscemi or Buscemi, we don't know, but should he, could he have been in this film? Yes. Yeah. I, I think, think he, he would have been good as like the tall, lanky, um, not necessarily super tall, but uh, Newman's counterpart. Oh, yeah. good idea, yeah. What about John Goodman? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I could see him in mm-hmm. there. He would have been funny as a cameo as the as Curly in in the film within a film about the moon, oh moon or whatever. Oh, yeah. He would have been funny jumping into the hog trough. I'm going to get you, moon. <laughs> yeah. Is that John Goodman? What about uh, John Turturro? He could have been one of the directors, I think. John yeah. Turturro. Oh yeah, for sure. Or I mean, I mean, yeah, and or or I mean, one of the many characters that are part of the communist communist uh, group or whatever. Uh, what about Billy Bob Thornton? Oh yeah. Who would he have been though? He could have been a communist. You actually could have also seen him as Josh Brolin's Josh character. Brolin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he could have been the sure. you, you could imagine have been the main character in this. Tell you, I probably would have rated it like one point higher if it was him. Hmm. What about Ed Harris? Now he obviously was in I don't know five or six Coen Brothers films. I, I lost count, I think, um, but he actually co-directed one of them. It was a biopic of John Quincy Adams. It was just called Quince. And yeah. Ed Harris plays our sixth. I think we can all agree, greatest president? Question mark. Sure. Yeah, I think so. If Ed uh, Harris was, yeah. Right. It tells the story of uh, the tariffs of 1828, aka the tariffs of abomination. And it got it was <clears> named <throat> it was named so right exactly, yeah, shocking. It's named so because <laughs> they put a tariff on Greece. And oh, much like the No. I know, much like the tariffs, the film was an abomination because everyone I mean, it caused widespread hysteria and riots across the nation uh, because Ed Harris went completely ungreased in the entire film. Are you serious? Yeah, ungreased. Ouch. That's disgusting. So, How can so, so that? he was method acting for that part, didn't I take it? <laughs> You're saying that he did not put grease on on the side. He was completely ungreased in his rest of his life? For that part? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. It's tough to believe, but possible. If, if, yeah, if it yeah. was if it was taxed or part of the tariff back then, I mean, he'd have to get into character to play that right yeah that's true yeah i'm not yeah you're right he probably wouldn't be able to accurately depict the character without not having grease so it's insane yeah rough all right phantom zone you want to do phantom zone i kind of want to do phantom zone do it 
Engage the Phantom. Engage the Phantom. <laughs> I don't think we have to acknowledge Phantom, the actual movie Phantom, every time we play that. Directly from it. Why? Why, man? Because it's less than like 20 seconds. It's not really... It's not really it's from a the movie copyright. Phantom, starring Ed Harris. Directly from. Uh, all right, so Channing Tatum is in G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, a film that does feature an underwater base and submarines. In that is, um, I had trouble pronouncing the guy's name, but he was Mr. Echo and Lost. Everyone know that reference? And uh, he was also, so he was in G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, but he's also in the TV movie version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I took this opportunity to use Michael Caine, uh, and he's also in the... Weirdly, the Jules Verne sequel, Journey to the Mysterious Island. So both of those feature the Nautilus. And really? Both of them. Who's also in that one? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he's in Fate of the Furious. And uh, the listeners might want to take note of that one. Yeah, they might. And then from there, we can go easy because like Statham's in there. And then we can jump to Mechanic Resurrection that has Tommy Lee Jones, who's in Under Siege, who has Landry's dad from Friday Night Lights, who's in Pearl Harbor, and et cetera, et cetera. Bingo. Awesome. That's my catchphrase. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo, bango. Yay. All right. Let's see how much time we have before we cancel this podcast. <laughs> All right. Don't worry. I do not... Have a subs worldwide tonight, man. I was All running right, short on time, and I didn't want to compromise <laughs> anything, but I do have this. Oh. I did watch the behind the scenes on the movie. Oh, good. I and, like this. And this is just a little short thing. I thought it was kind of funny. So the Coen brothers had actually talked about the script of this movie to George Clooney at some party or in passing or something like that, and George was super excited about this movie. He really wanted to do it. So in some interviews and stuff he'd mentioned that this was one of his upcoming films and he'd even said that uh imdb had a profile created but there was no script or anything made for it <laughs> so they were basically like forced to make this movie i just thought that was kind of interesting i liked it a lot that's it man beautiful Kyle. So can, I, can i just note can i just note the fact that you said you didn't have time so instead, you watched a behind-the-scene documentary of the film. It was like four minutes long. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not that much. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> that's it. That's it, man. That's it? And then I don't know what the heck happened. I still have to get Alex's sound back. I haven't done it yet. I need to get it back. Oh, that's fine. No problem. We can just have Zach make my own sound for today. Zach, do oh. it. Mustard man, mustard man, he's riding on a horse. It's mustard man. You think I'm looking up news? <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I did find one news article. Um, North Korea, I guess, is building a <gasps> ballistic sub. But the only reason I brought it up because I follow H.I. Sutton, and he was the one that contributed to the article. So that's your guy. You guys know him. I follow so, him. Yeah. It looks like uh, North Korea is working on subs. But last week I kind of did a a little meme thing saying which table would you guys sit at and what would you eat. This time I just kind of did like a quick would you rather and I took elements from sub movies and you have to pick a would you rather. So I'm going to keep it real quick. I only got four of them. So you guys got to do this quick, all right? Okay. I got First it. First one, okay. would you rather? 
for the rest of your life, would you rather be stuck on a sub with exotic or deadly snakes? Mm. Or would you have to be stuck in a sub due to the world being completely dead from a deadly virus? Overtaken by a deadly virus, excuse me. Deadly virus. No, snakes. I'm saying for the rest of your life. Oh, I have to so, be on that. Oh, I have to be on the, the sub for the rest of my life with the snakes? Yeah. Oh, no. You're on it the rest of your life. Virus, then, obviously. Come on. Okay. Okay. Are both of them for the rest of my life? Oh, yeah. Virus. Wait, am I alone because of the virus? Am you're I alone? alone? Yes, oh, you're shit. alone. So I feel, the ethical answer is snakes. <laughs> so the world survives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what he's asking for. He's just. He's not caring about your ethics. I right choose now. no, but you're, you're saying, would you rather? I choose the ethical version. I'm on with deadly snakes. All right, and then I emerge as Snake Man later on. <laughs> oh, Duh. okay. Snakes, <laughs> listen to my back and call because I've been. Ben, you there? Yeah, I'm gonna go virus. I'm not gonna overthink it. <laughs> but that means okay, Ben. Just think about it this way. I'm dead. I mean, I'm listening. I'm, I've okay. died from a virus. Okay. Everybody's dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead. He's alone on a sub. And you're the only person on the sub? Yes. Okay, then I got to go snakes too. Gotta go snakes. I got a baby, and I can't have my baby die from the virus. Exactly. You know? See, Kyle knows what's up because he's got a family. <laughs> All right. All of us yeah. are just a bunch, <laughs> bunch of losers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say it's uh, World War II. Would you rather – you get the pick though, All right, but you have to do one. It's World War II. Would you rather do a mission similar to that? As in Das Boot and like real realistic right, yeah. or the U-Boat 571 where you got to go to an enemy boat to try to steal <laughs> technology. Oh, man. Uh, U-571. U-571. Easily. I think so, too. Yeah. I think yeah, so dude, too. I don't want crabs. I'm going U-571. Well, no. It just seems it <laughs> seems like real crazy to try to get under something, under enemy line. Here, like attacking another boat, there's a lot more options. I guess you, but in U five seven one, they got depth charge like crazy. They did. Ben, it's not. It's not asking if we want to be on U five seven one. It's asking which mission. And I think the U five seven one mission made a lot more sense. I think the DOS right. boat, the DOS boot, DOS boot, DOS boot <laughs> mission, DOS boat, <laughs> the DOS boat, <laughs> the DOS boot, the, the final mission. I mean, to get through the. Uh, Straight to Gibraltar was like a suicide mission. It's a suicide mission, yeah. You want to so, do the other one. Yeah. Uh, but did they do it? They did it. No, they then, didn't really. Yeah, they did. No, they got. They had to turn around. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Next one. <laughs> Maybe we'd have to turn around as well. Oh, shit. I guess we got to turn around, guys. Darn it. <laughs> so we watched a couple sub-episodes <laughs> that were taking place in cartoon worlds. So, if you were to become an animated character of yourself, which world would you rather be trapped in? The Iron Man saga, yeah. I guess, series, or the Simpsons series? Simpsons. Oh, Simpsons. No, Iron, Iron Man. 100% Iron Man. Okay. I'm, I gotta go. I, I feel like somehow, some way, the Simpsons world is just a little more rational and sensible than <laughs> whatever the hell was going on in Iron Man. <laughs> Now, Iron Man was amazing. Do I get to pick a character in Iron Man that I get to be? 
trapped as yourself. So you're just an uh, average. I was say. Well, in that case, you're just it an makes average. It harder. You're walking around while Tony Stark is in a hot tub with his physical therapist. I was gonna say that on. could be the physical therapist. Am I right? <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> All right. uh, I'm gonna go Simpsons also. <laughs> okay. And then last but not least, you get to travel to paradise. Would you rather travel in Nautilus or the Atlantis, which is from The Spy Who Loved Me? If you guys forgot that, that underwater weird looking thing. Oh, like the spider from base yeah. or whatever? Mm-hmm. Nautilus was from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Dude, I'm going oh. Nautilus. Yeah, Nautilus. For I, sure. I would, I would think. I mean, I, I feel like one thing is like probably that base has everything there. It's like almost like an all-inclusive, all right? It's got like the food, the kitchen, all that stuff. Nautilus right. really seemed like they had to stop in that weird garden. And like pick up their own food, which mm-hmm. seems it's like a little hippy dippy for me. But can you practice organ while you're on the Atlantis or whatever it's called? No, you can't. Probably not. That's true. I'm going James Bond. The, the Atlantis. Okay. I'm probably yeah, going baby. Atlantis as well. Yeah. Nice. Atlantis, please. I would do the Nautilus just because I think I like the uh, the feel of the ship. I don't know. That one really draws <laughs> yeah, we me. We can in. electrocute people with it, man. All right, Alex it's and I are in the way, Nautilus. You guys have fun. It's also in way more films. Like, there's like a thousand films with the Nautilus in it. Because so it's withstood it the test yeah. of time. Yeah, you can get a good feel for it too before you get onto it. You could watch like the seventy movies that have the Nautilus in it. Oh yeah, cool. That's all I got. So sweet deal, man. Okay. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. Give it to me. <laughs> That's the one I can't stop dancing to. I just dance I love that one. that one. It's groovy. Nice. Was that awesome powers? It felt like uh it felt like the Holland, right? I'm from Holland. Isn't that funny? When you say, when <laughs> you say groovy, I just immediately think uh, Earthworm Jim. Which yeah, does have a little submarine in it in that one level. Dude, that's another game. We gotta put on our game list. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. We will. All right. We're gonna we're gonna keep it snapping. And I actually just called a recent audible on my source for this one. I uh, I, I outsourced my uh my my countdown this this week because I was instead preparing to do some recap work here. Uh, but this is going to be the worst movies by good directors. I uh, I had oh, wow. uh, I had a list from Complex, but I ended up finding a much better list uh, during the cast tonight from Digital Spy. It's a lot more fun and and more I don't know topical movies from over there for the ointment. Um, oh yeah. So there's seven on the list here, and uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run through them here. If you guys want to mention anything about any of them, feel free to jump in. I'm sure somebody's gonna have an opinion about number seven here. Again, bad movies by good directors. Number seven, Steven Spielberg's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay, I like that one. I (laughs) I knew Alex was going to say something here. (laughs) Yes, that one was good. I actually did enjoy it. It was predictable, which is fine Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. But nostalgic at the same time, and I liked it. Yes, I don't. Yeah, get that off the list. (laughs) I will say, definitively does not qualify for a bad movie. Uh, twins.com. Hmm. Oh, really? Dude. Yeah, and I didn't oh, hate yeah, it. Okay. The, re- the reviews were way too high, and I think that's what people actually point to for that film is being like, look, all the critics thought it was good, but it was really bad. But yeah, it got like 70% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. 
Yeah, rightfully so. One of I mean, I think, I think, I, I think I, one thing is that if, if people were to pick one Steven Spielberg film that they would actually say is bad, I think now they potentially pick the BFG. Because that I, I know a lot of people who hated that film. Is a that lot. the new one that they did? Yeah, that's did? like the yeah the BFG was like a pretty recent film. Yeah, but that's yeah. one where they're like, oof. I, I know a lot of people were like, that was not good. Oh dang! Yeah, I love that scene in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull where uh, he like <laughs> Harrison Ford sinking into sand or something. And he's like, quick, throw me a throw me a rope, and Shadowbuff like gives him a snake. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't like you snakes. Remember that? Uh, and he's like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" <laughs> it's just like, "What?" It's so funny. You All make right. it funny, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's What's the funniest six? retelling of that scene I've ever heard, Kyle. <laughs> number six. I don't know this one. I, I'm going to guess Jamie might. Some one some of these have to fall on bad movie twins. Uh, is it this one? Number six, Woody Allen, Cassandra's Dream. I do not know that one. I've never heard of that movie. I guess it stars Ewan McGregor and Colin Farrell, and is plagued oh by horrible dialogue, ridiculous a ridiculous plot, awkward melodrama, and no amount of Annie Halls can cancel this out. Says Digital Spy. I don't know what that's what, referring. What's to. it called again, man? Cassandra's, Cassandra's Dream. Dream. Hmm. It does not qualify. All 2007 right. movie, huh? Doesn't even have that like crazy low scores or anything either. No. Number five, Brian De Palma's Bonfire of the Vanities. I have seen that one. That one's Tom Hanks and Bruce Willis. It's a book. I actually read the book as well by Tom Wolfe, uh, which is kind of like a satire a little bit of highfalutin New York society. In the early 1990s. Was it good? The movie? Yeah, did you like it? No, Morgan Freeman plays a judge and his scene is kind of funny, but um, otherwise it's it's a pretty lame version of the book. And I think probably the book did a better job at a pretty dicey subject, mm-hmm. which is kind of like uh, racism <laughs> in New York City. So. This says uh, Tom Hanks was miscast. Well, they kind of switched. I think a lot of people would have thought the roles would have been reversed, where you would have had Bruce Willis be kind of the the skeezy uh, Wall Street guy, and Tom Hanks maybe be the hero, quote unquote, reporter. Um, but instead, it's kind of reversed, where Tom Hanks is kind of like the bad guy for hmm. all intents and purposes. That seems seems like a. A flip flop would have done well there. Maybe a face off scenario. Maybe they just did like face off. <gasps> yeah, too they switched it. faces. Oh. Good call, dude. Don't Number worry. Four. He also did a Nick Cage movie though. <laughs> Snake Eyes. Love Snake Eyes. Wait, Snake Eyes is number four? No, no. no. Oh. That's number four. That's I do know director, though. Man. <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola's Jack. Oh Robin, yeah, Robin Williams, right? Oh, right. that's really on there. Yes, that's Coppola. I didn't that know Coppola. that. Yeah. Late later, later Coppola gets real weird. He, he hasn't really made a very large film. Actually, maybe since Jack. Jack may have been his last major film, but he still makes I, films and stuff. I guess I wasn't under the impression a lot of people didn't like this movie. I remember seeing that as a kid, and I loved it. No, it's yeah. it's a it's a horribly reviewed film. All right, huh? Number three. This since I was little. I'm going to say I disagree. Put, put me on the record for disagreeing with that, Ben. All okay. right, it's on the I record. Will, we put it on the record. Uh, let me thank thank you. Just type that in there. You disagree. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, 
Cameron Crows, not the Counting Crows, Cameron Crow, Elizabethtown. This is uh, Kirsten Dunst <laughs> and Orlando Bloom film. I haven't seen it, but it's kind of that in the is same. Yeah, one of I, my wife's favorite films. No, it's not. A hundred percent, it is. What? I've had to watch that multiple times. Does it suck? Well, this. Yeah, does it suck? This is your chance. You be full it's frontal. It's just like honesty. a you know, like a normal <laughs> like rom commy type thing. I mean, isn't is it a is it a comedy? Not, I mean, not like, not like I mean, movie it kind of is, but not like, it's not like movie 43. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I th- I think I went over to your house when we still live close to each other, and I think you guys were watching it once. Yeah. Many years ago. I wouldn't ago. doubt I th- it, man. I've seen this you were, a few times. I, <laughs> I remember seeing this movie poster, but that's it. All right. So I didn't really right. add anything to the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that thank, number, thank you, None Zach. of us really did. Yeah. <laughs> was it number three or number two? That was number three. Number two, I, the reason I called the Audible, because it's uh, some love for a movie we mentioned tonight. The Coen Brothers, The Lady Killers. There we go. Oh. I knew it. Okay. I got it. I got it before it was even said. You did, Jamie. Good job. I Any, never, anything I never to add on this it. one? I saw it back in the day, and I remember thinking it's not very good. It's weird because Tom Hanks doesn't have like a huge number of terrible films he's made. We've mentioned two of them so far. The uh, oh, which is ridiculous. Yeah. The writers of this article uh, praise the Coen Brothers. Seems like their favorite Coen Brothers films: The Big Lebowski, No Country for Old Men, and Miller's Crossing. Oh, that's an early. A lot one, of yeah. people like Miller's Crossing. I also hear a lot of people that like uh, Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Number one. Right. Here we go. Clint Eastwood. Oh, never mind. I was gonna I was gonna guess John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, which is a terrible uh, movie. that was on the I other list. Director. That was the other list. Ah, okay. It was number six on the other list. Number one on this one's a Clint Clint Eastwood film. Do you have a guess for it? Oh. Clint Eastwood film. It would have been a I think it would have been a recent one. Is it's it the one be, with Matt it's Damon? It's recent and it's gotta be pretty forgettable. Uh Matt Damon. Yeah, is it the tsunami one with Matt Damon? I don't think so. Is it Trouble with the Curve? It is not. It might be the Matt Damon one. This one doesn't have any information about it. Just kidding. You guys ready? It is called Hereafter. Yeah, uh yeah. Isn't that the one? Oh, sorry. 2010. I may, Matt I may have Damon. said the wrong one. I may have said the wrong thing with the tsunami or whatever, but I think I, I am right on which one it was. Yeah. Okay. Fantasy was disaster movie. It is Matt Damon. You got it, Jamie. Um, a blue collar American, a French journalist, and a London schoolboy who are touched by death in different ways. Hey, it made a ton oh, of money on their look budget. Dieter looks over the balcony and witnesses the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. Come on, guys. There you go. Jane, but not, I will say, get, get does not qualify. You. Does not qualify for a bad movie. Twins.com. I don't. I don't see Eastwood really doing too many fantasy movies like this. Yeah, that seems very unlike him, right? Yeah, well, maybe he was branching <laughs> out. You know, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it, hoping it, to find a crowd. To, yeah, according to Wikipedia, a fifty million budget and made over a hundred. So it probably. Oh, wow. Can <laughs> you imagine if they announce like the next director of Star Wars and they're like Clint Eastwood? <laughs> They gave him a trilogy. It's like a ninety. Like ninety. Oh, yeah. And you know what? That's that's not the worst. When was that? When was that? Uh, when was the article you're looking at even made? By the way, just to ask. Uh, let's see if it's got a date on it here. I don't see it anything should. about a date. 
Oh, yeah, what'd you do? Uh, January of 2017. Okay, because I was going to say, I think the worst film he's made is 1517 to Paris, which was a 2018 film. I saw that. That was with the real people playing, yeah, playing characters, which is, right? Yeah, which was impressive, and I will say, they were, they were some of, they got better as the movie went on, and it was better than I thought it would be in terms of that, but it's a not, it's not a good movie, especially, like, the professional actors are in it are actually bad. And the the story is bad, and it's not. I agree well tremendously about the story. I was not impressed. No, but it was not a good movie, and pro- almost certainly worse than Hereafter. It was two thousand eighteen, so that's probably why. All right, are we going to finish this guy up before we have to cancel our podcast? Yeah, we should. It up. How, how much more time do we have? I think we have like fourteen minutes or so. Shit! All right. Zach Fax, it's Zach Fax. When you're going down, get some Zach Fax. When you're going down. Okay, I had 99 on the list. Got, so I'll just cut it down to 18. I'll cut that down to Cross out a few of them, yeah. I'll cut it down to four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. In fact, hit that smash cut. That'd be a really funny way to end the episode. Okay. All right, I got four facts. Fact number one, Hail Caesar? Hardly. It was originally titled (laughs) Hail Hitler. Oh, God. (laughs) Not funny, dude. Come on. (laughs) Hardly. (laughs) So I I agree with Alex. That was not funny. (laughs) As we all laugh at it. Fact number two. Believe it or not, Jonah Hill had to gain 45 pounds for his role in this film. <laughs> he was in the Believe film it. for three minutes and got one of the top billings. Did he really? Yeah, and he was, he was basically almost his entire performance was in the trailer. If you think Alex about three has minutes, a fun fact about Jonah Hill. Alex? Yeah, when he's not acting, he's actually really skinny. He always puts on weight for all of his films. Interesting. Yeah, they need a fat guy, but he doesn't want to be fat, so they pay him a lot of money to fatten up. <laughs> Nice. Is exactly. that true? Yeah. He said it in an interview. He so did say it in an interview. Yeah, it's got to be true. Well, dude, <laughs> when I saw the movie or the Netflix show Maniac, he is pretty thin in that show. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, no, I, I've seen that. He is pretty thin. Hollywood's mm-hmm. turning around. Or Netflix yeah. is turning around. <laughs> All right, fact number three. Um, with jo- so Jonah Hill gained forty five pounds for his role. George Clooney gained more or less than one pound for his role. Wow, <laughs> I believe that more or less. Well, it's more or less because he ate a pound of food and then he pooped it all out. <laughs> it's more or oh, less. More or less. All right, all right. Here we go. Last fact of the day for Hail Caesar. So the money in the briefcase was loaned. By the Girl Scouts of America. However, the briefcase really did sink, and the studio did not reimburse them. Uh, <laughs> poor kids. Yeah. How many That's boxes of cookies is that, man? <laughs> there you go. I think it's a, a, it's You're going to talk about the porn version of this? No, man. Come on. Get your head out of the gutter, Ben. No, there, there's a porn version of this. Uh, but when it uh, played so poorly with the focus groups, they retitled it, uh, Stepmom Walks In on Stepsister Masturbating in Ancient Rome. Thanks for listening to Submersion. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating on iTunes. 